Welcome to GW Integrative Medicine, the podcast about disease prevention and health promotion from the Office of Integrative Medicine and Health at the George Washington University School of Medicine and Health Sciences. I'm Dr. Misha Kogan, Associate Professor of Medicine here at GW and Medical Director of the GW Center for Integrative Medicine. And I'm Janet Rodriguez, the Office's Administrative Director. Today, we're talking to physician and educator Santi Tanakella, who is board certified in both pediatrics and integrative medicine, and currently practices general pediatrics and pediatric integrative medicine in Pennsylvania. She graduated from Drexel University College of Medicine and completed her residency training in pediatrics at the Children's Hospital of Montefiore. She went on to complete fellowship training in integrative medicine at the Academy of Integrative Health and Medicine. Dr. Tanikella has a strong foundation in mind-body medicine and biofield medicine and has received certification in biofeedback, hypnosis, and Reiki. It's a pleasure to have you here with us. Welcome to GW Integrative Medicine, Santi. It's uh, especially important and wonderful for me that... Um, you and I go back. We both went to Drexel University College of Medicine uh, years ago. And um, gosh, how many years has it been? Too many years, I think. Too many. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I think we had uh, we had a great time. We had a club in um, at Drexel. In, in, I think we called club CAM, right? And then you took it over when I left. Uh, and then I, you probably passed it on to somebody else. So uh, we've been in each other's sphere of uh, knowing about each other for quite a while. And then we also spent time going to uh, spirituality retreats and you organized many of them. So, but I think today we're talking about integrative pediatrics. So let's stay on course. So Santi, how did you end up doing it? And, and tell, tell our listeners just a little bit, what is that? Yeah, so that's a great question. The first thought most people have when they hear that I practice integrative medicine is, what are we integrating exactly? Honestly, I've always thought of integrative medicine as the marriage uh, between conventional allopathic osteopathic medicine with traditional and complementary modalities. Complementary modalities can include a deeper dive into lifestyle medicine and prevention, mind-body medicine, manual medicine, dietary supplements, botanicals, and aromatherapy, just to name a few. I know you guys know all about this, <laughs> um, and I will add that this list is not an exhaustive list, um, but one of the things that I love about integrative medicine is its emphasis on balance. Um, we focus on all aspects of the human experience, and that can include physical health, nutrition, exercise, sleep, relationships, mental health, growth, and spirituality. We explore these areas within the context of a child's physical environment, and we practitioners strive to bring the integrative approaches together in a coordinated way to optimize health, wellness, and healing. What inspired you to become board certified in both pediatrics and integrative medicine? I have always loved children. Um, so when I was five, which was, you know, only 10 years ago. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I happened to be watching a TV show in which a physician was caring for a newborn. And I remember thinking to myself, that is so cool to be one of the first people a newborn baby meets. Um, even at that age, I understood how meaningful it was to me to be able to positively impact a child and their future. It was a very maternal, loving feeling uh, there was also a feeling of expansiveness that made me feel like pediatrics was the right thing for me. 
As I moved through medical school, residency, and my early years as an attending physician, my thirst for more and more knowledge to support the well-being of people, both children and adults, grew. I ultimately decided to pursue a fellowship at the Academy of Integrative Health and Medicine, and I concurrently did trainings in various mind-body modalities. What I have learned has allowed me to deepen the therapeutic relationship between me, my patient, and their caregivers. So Santi, uh, tell a little bit how the early early years during the medical training, you know, you and I came from an institution that was quite conservative, but we had that you know, integrative medicine club and you were, you know, you were like me, all in, all in on the topic. Um, I still vividly remember that. How do, how do you think that initial um, deep dive back in medical school impacted you and as you found your way through the Academy of Integrative Health and did the fellowship and end up here today, those early days, how much impact do you think they had on you and sort of what, what are you taking out of those early years? Gosh, yeah, those early years had a tremendous impact on me. Um, so I remember grinding through the first year of medical school And towards the end of the year, just feeling like, oh my gosh, I have to leave. I have to leave and I have to go as far away from here as humanly possible. And then the second thought was, where will my parents let me go (laughs) that will allow them to feel comfortable? And so, you know, we're Indian by heritage. And so I went to India and I didn't have any money. And so I spent a great deal of time looking for funding to be able to get myself to India, to be able to expand myself really um, at a time where I felt really boxed in. Um, Because at that time, I think I had, I guess starting in medical school, uh, I had thought that medicine would be different. And by the end of year one, I felt like, wow, this is very mechanistic. Um, You know, I almost feel like a car mechanic except for humans. Um, And Mm. so I needed to kind of come out of that space. And going to India was one of the best things that I could have done. So I ended up getting um, funding from the Arnold P. Goldtown, um, the Arnold P. Gold Foundation. And my letter in my letter to them, I basically said, this is what I'd like to do. I'd like to study integrative medicine. By at that time it was complementary and alternative medicine. And in exchange for said money, I will provide a workshop series on all of the modalities that I learn. And so they said, okay. And I was thrilled and I went and I had a fabulous time. And I had uh, a few moments where I've had true epiphanies. Um, And when I came back, I did workshop series on Ayurvedic medicine, naturopathy, yoga, homeopathy, and Reiki. And my classmates, you know, before I started the process, kind of teased me a little bit. But when it came to the administration, somehow through the grapevine, I found out that uh, students from the School of Public Health at Drexel were getting credit to come to my workshops as a second-year med student, and I was floored. Um, and, you know, from a marketing standpoint, I was like, how am I going to get people here? I mean, my classmates are not sure what to think about this. They think I'm a hippie. And, <laughs> <laughs> and I was so nervous. And I was like, you know what one thing all med students love is? 
food. We're all starving. We all love food. Mm-hmm. How can I get food at my at my workshops? And so um, the president of AMSA at the time came through and was like, we want to support you. How can we support me? And I was like, I need food. <laughs> and they made sure that each one of these workshops were, you know, set up with with food that med students would love and you know i have all these things i have to say that just came together at the right time to set me up for success um later on during my medical school career i was asked again to give the lecture the workshop series and so it was raised up a notch and i gave the series to residents um so first it was med students and students from the School of Public Health, and then next level was residents. And then I went to residency. Um, I did I did a, a lecture on mindfulness and meditation. And by the time I was a third-year resident, um, the Albert Einstein School of Medicine asked me to do an elective course for fourth-year medical students on Ayurvedic medicine. And I was like, wow, how are these things happening to me? This is wonderful. And it just made me feel so validated um, that what I had to offer was unique and special and also needed because this more expansive viewpoint on medicine and healthcare was needed. So yeah, it was wonderful. I, I really grew and learned so much. Well, that's that's a great story. And you know, you you also didn't talk about the spirituality and medicine retreats. Then, you know, two of us, and then you're alone put together. You did I don't know many half a dozen I think. So you've you, you've done a lot of this kind of uh, trying to educate peers, and I think your path has always been very passionate in terms of prevention of burnout and helping residents. Uh, but let's go back to talk a little bit about uh, integrative pediatrics. Um, I mean, I have two teenagers in the house and I'm dreading the day that our integrative pediatrician here in DC, Dr. Ayona Razi, will leave because she's planning on retiring. So I, I, I told, I don't know if, Janet, if I told you, I really tried Santa to come over here because we need pediatrician, <laughs> but she's not, you know, her family's there. But anyway, so just tell us. I have to think about it. I got to think about it. Fancy, <laughs> fancy. It's warmer. It's warmer. That's oh, true. Yes. And, and, and we have a lot better. more, and we have a lot more teaching opportunities for you and we're more yes. accepting of the work. <laughs> But I it, love it. I love for it. example, children, uh, Children's National um, here in D.C., which is affiliated with GW, already has um, an integrate. They already do integrated integrative pediatrics, um, and in fact, have one of the leaders in the field there, mm-hmm. Dr. Yep. David Steinhorn. Yep. Okay, that's the end of my pitch. <laughs> I love that you guys are trying to recruit me to break up That's how we roll. Okay, so yep. one of the things that we really haven't asked you for is can you give our listeners some examples of integrative pediatrics, how you're bringing conventional together with the complementary? And, and if you could just... Give us a couple of, uh, or a case, or a couple of cases, examples. Yeah, I will do you one better, actually. I'm going to kind of walk us a little bit through the science of ah, okay. the approach to children. How is that? Is that okay? That is good. 
Okay. So I will start out by saying that there was a survey done in 2012 called the National Health Interview Survey, and it showed us the 10 most commonly used complementary health approaches amongst children. Included on that list were natural products, uh, chiropractic and osteopathic manipulation, movement practices including yoga, tai chi, qigong, and mind-body modalities such as deep breathing, meditation, guided imagery. Uh, They did a follow-up survey in 2017, and we saw that the use of complementary modalities was on the rise. It showed that meditation use amongst American children went from 0.6% in 2012 to 5.4% in 2017. Participation in yoga went from 3.1% to 8.4% in 2017. And this rapid increase in use prompted a need for us physicians to learn more because here are patients asking us what to do, how to do it, who to go to, and some of us didn't have very many answers. Um, So Pediatrics, which is the name of the official journal for the American Academy of Pediatrics, came out with clinical reports on both pediatric integrative medicine and mind-body therapies in children and youth. The clinical report on pediatric integrative medicine provided high-quality clinical resources for pediatricians. The original report actually came out in 2008, but it was updated in 2017. So if you're planning on reading up, I totally recommend looking at the latter. Um, The report outlines common types of complementary therapies, as well as medical legal, ethical, and research implications. And it also provides resources for education and strategies for discussing these sometimes sensitive topics with families. The clinical report on mind-body therapies in children and youth uh, outlined popular mind-body modalities in the pediatric population. It examines the best available evidence for a variety of them, including biofeedback, clinical hypnosis, guided imagery, meditation, and yoga. And the goal of the report was to educate healthcare providers on non-pharmacologic approaches that could be used to help decrease pain, control discomfort, ease anxiety, or improve concentration. So when it comes to more specific studies, um, let's touch a little bit on on specific mind-body modalities. Um, The first I'll touch on is a randomized controlled trial done by Erica Sabinga. It was uh, published in Pediatrics in which they implemented school-based mindfulness instruction amongst 300 low-income minority public school students. These kids were 5th to 8th grade students, and they were randomly assigned to an adapted mindfulness-based stress reduction course versus health education topics. And what they found at the end of the intervention was that the MBSR students showed significantly lower levels of somatization, depression, negative affect, negative coping, rumination, self-hostility, and post-traumatic symptom severity. All of the p-values were less than 0.05. And this was, again, in comparison to the group receiving health education topics alone. This to me is an amazing study because these children were part of an underserved population. And as you can imagine, they face numerous hardships. So if we were able to bring an adapted age-appropriate MBSR program to school systems on a national level, I can't help but think what the next generation of adults would look like in terms of resilience and mental health. It's certainly food for thought. 
Um, to talk a little bit about hypnosis, there was a meta-analysis published in BMJ in 2012 in which they studied the impact of gut-directed clinical hypnosis. This meta-analysis indicated that clinical hypnosis was found to be effective for children with functional abdominal pain or IBS who are as young as age 5 all the way up to age 18. There was significantly uh, greater improvement in abdominal pain, and one study actually showed sustained effects at one-year follow-up. Additional outcomes had included uh, improved quality of life and decreased school absenteeism, which means that parents got to go to work too. They concluded that the therapeutic effects of clinical hypnosis seemed to s- seem superior to the standard medical care alone, uh, but they added that additional high-quality research would be helpful. And then one last example is a systematic review and meta-analysis published by uh, Alvarez Garcia in 2019 called The Effects of Preoperative Guided Imagery Interventions on Pre-Op Anxiety and Post-Op Pain. This meta-analysis looked at 21 studies total, 18 of which were adult studies, three of which were pediatric. And they compared the use of guided imagery prior to to surgery to conventional preoperative nursing care. What they found was that pre-op guided imagery significantly reduced state anxiety in children, trade anxiety in adults, and post-operative pain in adults. They did find that post-op pain in children was also reduced, but it it didn't have, um, it wasn't significant. So truly, the body of of evidence supporting integrative modalities is growing rapidly. Um, It's important for us clinicians to be aware that many studies, just like conventional medicine studies, have limitations. So we got to be mindful of the limitations and weigh risks versus benefits. It's important for us to stratify our treatment plans such that the patient receives the greatest level of benefit possible with the least amount of risk. The beauty of integrative medicine is that oftentimes you can blend these therapies to augment conventional treatment and healing, and there doesn't need to be a compromise. Wow, that was a very detailed response with so much analysis of literature. I guess um, I think we everybody's convinced that, that clearly the integrative approaches in pediatrics are critical and going to play much more role to come, especially in the field of mind-body medicine. Um, Santi, it's not all rosy. I I know you've had your share of struggles, just like all of us, but uh, tell us a little bit about um, challenges. Um, And, you know, you can go wherever you want to go with this. I'm sure that we do have to at least touch up on the topic of vaccines, which I'm sure you've uh, experienced some tensions. And so so talk, talk a little bit about that. Yeah, so we'll we'll talk about the vaccine topic first. Um, you know, a lot of parents think that integrative practitioners are anti-vax, and we're not. You know, we are pro-research. We are pro-benefits, pro-efficacy, pro-safety. So pro when you look, evidence-based, pro-evidence-based, yes, and so. When you look at these studies showing the rates of vaccine-preventable illness going down with the advent of specific vaccines, um, the research is undeniable. Um, You know, it's hard to ignore the impact that vaccines have had on our children and their ability to grow 
into healthy adults. And so for those families, they're needs to be a lot of love and a lot of compassion and a lot of education. Um, I have found it difficult when families come to me and tell me that they were chastised by their pediatrician for not vaccinating. And I don't practice that way. You know, I think for every decision that a parent makes, there is a reason for making that decision. So understanding what the reason and the rationale is first allows me to be able to, you know, take an opportunity to see what they think is in the best interest of their child and to also present my point of view in a way that's not emotionally charged. And then together we can come up with a care plan for the child. Um, there are lots of families where I've been able to modify their vaccine schedule in a way that's acceptable to them and still on time according to the recommendations of the CDC. Um, so, you know, I think families are grateful for when I'm willing to bend a little bit to be able to make them comfortable and to allow them to function in the capacity as a caregiver who has control over their child's health and well-being. Now, for integrative medicine in general, or being a pediatrician in integrative medicine, um, there are other benefits and challenges. Um, you know, for me, with, with mind-body modalities, I think the greatest benefit and challenge is that they have to be fun for kids. Um, it forces me to get creative. Mm-hmm. And so... When I teach diaphragmatic breathing, I'll have the child lay down on the table and, you know, we'll put a little toy on their belly. And that way they can watch the toy go up and down as they inhale and exhale. Um, When I prepare to do guided imagery or clinical hypnosis, I'll ask them about colors they like, things that they enjoy, or places they like to go. I take that information and build it into their mind-body experience in an age-appropriate way to create a feeling of familiarity and safety that allows me to do deeper work. Um, Another thing that I find both a benefit and a challenge is that kids are constantly growing and changing. The needs of a toddler, a school-age child, and a high school student are all very different. Um, And I have to bring their level development. And then they become teenagers. Right, which is kind of, you know, for some teens, I will say there are some teens that are just like amazing and like self-aware. And then there are some teens that are like a toddler in an adult body. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You just have to, you have to be cognizant of where they are. And, and I do, I really, I try to bring my knowledge of positive psychology to the table to help them realize that they can improve their self-efficacy because if what they're looking for is autonomy, then they have to figure out how to be autonomous, right? Um, And having that ounce of information can be super helpful. Absolutely, absolutely. So what are the some ways that, um, if any of our listeners are going into healthcare fields, what are the sort of opportunities for, for people to professionally learn integrated pediatrics and even if they're not in the medical field, what do you think? What 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 are the kind of a more structured formats are out there? Yeah, so Stanford has a fellowship program for pediatric integrative medicine. Uh, it's a one-year in-person training program. Also, just this year, Dr. Hillary McClafferty launched the Academy of Pediatric Integrative Medicine for those people who need a little bit more flexibility. Um, APIM provides an in-depth online learning experience. 
And if you're not a pediatrician but looking for a broader experience, I, I would recommend the fellowships provided by the University of Arizona or the Academy of Integrative Health and Medicine. Both programs include pediatric integrative medicine as part of their curriculum. And for those of you who are not looking for something formal at all, but just wanting to get your feet wet, there are several books out there on pediatric integrative medicine authored by pioneers in the field, like Dr. Kathy Kemper, uh, Dr. Hillary McClafferty, Dr. Timothy Colbert, and Dr. Karen Olness. Great. That's a, that's a, thank you for detailed overview. Um, so, you know, we, we have a few more, few more minutes before we wrap up. Maybe... Um, uh, Santi, tell our listeners some of the kind of a pearls of wisdom that you've accumulated working with kids. Yeah, my number one piece of advice is to be a good listener. Uh, not only is there therapeutic value to this for the patient, but when given the opportunity, they literally just tell us almost everything we need to know. Um, the information helps guide us to a diagnosis or many diagnoses in some cases um, and potential treatments. And it also helps to build trust. Um, partnering with your patients and their families and educating them are both keys to patient empowerment, engagement, and compliance. When we look at potential integrative treatments, we need to remember to look at the safety and efficacy. And lastly, remember that your patient may have personal goals that they wanna meet, not just medical goals. We physicians sometimes get fixated on labs, x-rays, medication dosing, et cetera, et cetera. We sometimes forget about the perspective of the patient and their family, which may be more centered on quality of life and being able to function at school. So, you know, in your work, um, you see kids all, the, all ages. Um, you know, I always kind of wonder, as they get a little older, they kind of open up and, um, you know, they start exploring the world, not just physically, but emotionally and mentally. Um, we see a lot of um, mental illness in teenagers. And, you know, of course, it's multifactorial. I, I, I see in my own house, I mean, they're healthy, but I see how much the pandemic, what kind of toll it took. Um, can you just tell a little bit about sort of how do, how's the actual integrative pediatrics looks at this? What are the skill sets, um, what is the field as a whole is trying to, um, to do to help the kids growing through the pandemic? I think this goes for not just pediatric integrative medicine practitioners, but pediatrics as a whole. We are all seeing what's happening um, amongst children and adolescents as they navigate COVID um, when it comes to the uncertainty of school, like whether they're going to be schooling from home or schooling at school, um, the difficulty of having to, to constantly be three to six feet away from their peers, the worry of getting a cold, like God forbid you get a cold. Is it COVID? Could it be COVID? Could I be spreading it? I mean, these kids carry a lot on their shoulders and they don't always say what they're thinking. Um, and then certainly, of course, you know, with their parents, um, some of the parents have experienced job loss or illness or a family member has gotten sick and passed away. And these children, again, are navigating this and, and it's tough. So all of us 
see that. We support them. We try our best. Yes, mental health, mental health and mental um, illness, they're on the rise. And one of the things I've noticed is a lot of parents will blame ADHD and think that it's ADHD related. And they forget that the struggle that they themselves are going through is the struggle that their child is going through. Um, and so recentering the conversation on the difficulty that their child may be having with navigating this new world that we're living with, um, talking about it, all of those things help. So yes, there are definitely times for me where I will set up extra appointments to be able to revisit those conversations and uh, provide emotional support where I can. Um, a lot of areas in America, there is a shortage on um, psychologists and psychiatrists. And so it's pushing us pediatricians to become better and better at what we do with mental health. And we are all working towards that. Well, I just want to thank you for doing that because I know um, that is not necessarily what you all uh got into pediatrics to do, but recognizing the fact that, that sometimes you have to go outside your comfort zone. And and if you don't have the training, you, you need to be able to refer to people. And um, hopefully we'll get this telemedicine thing straight. I was just reading an article about how telemedicine isn't being as helpful as we all thought it would be for people in rural areas or for the underserved. And um, right now they got to figure it out because people are in dire circumstances. Yeah, I see that. I mean, I work in a primarily underserved community and the access to healthcare is harder for them because not all of them have a reliable internet connection. Mm -hmm. um, so when when our offices shut down, not just our not just my office, but other offices right across the nation, when those offices shut down, it clearly impacts their ability to get the help that they need, whether it's physical health or mental health. Yes, I really hope we get this telehealth thing figured out. <laughs> And I've totally taken us in a completely different direction that I really didn't mean to. But, hey, that's the nature of a podcast. That's right. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Thank you so much for joining us, Santi, and we'll hope to have you back soon. Thank you guys so much for having me. This is the GW Integrative Medicine Podcast from the GW Office of Integrative Medicine and Health. I'm Dr. Misha Kogan. And I'm Janet Rodriguez. Thanks, Thanks for listening. For listening.